Well, the Fed, not surprisingly, are tapering faster as the race is on to lift rates next year. We'll look at the Fed decision hot off the press this morning. And there are two more central banks to go. The Bank of England, will they or won't they, after a big leap in inflation in the UK, but there's also a big leap in COVID cases. And the ECB, just how dovish will they be? That's the only question there today. Plus, a swag of other data, including Aussie employment numbers today and PMIs for many parts of the world too. So we'll get a pretty up-to-date comparison of various economies. I tell you... It's as busy as this morning. It's Thursday, the 16th of December, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar was holding steady ahead of the uh, Fed announcement, but it's up 0.2% now since. Oh, that's on the DXY. It's up 0.4% on the Japanese yen. The Aussie was up a third of 1%, but it's fallen back now. It's up just 0.1% at 71.1 US cents and a third of 1% fall in the Canadian dollar. US equities that were falling back have now picked up. The Dow is up 0.1%. The S&P 500 was down 0.4%. It's now up 0.3%. And the Nasdaq had lost 0.9%. Now it's more or less flat, back where it was yesterday. Over the Atlantic, the Eurostox 50 has gained a third of 1%, whilst the FTSE 100 has lost two-thirds of 1%. And bond yields, so ahead of the Fed, they were pretty flat, uh, with 10 years sitting at 1.44%. Now they uh, are up a couple of basis points since the FRMC. And oil down again this morning. It was down over half percent on WTI, but now it's down a third of one percent and still managing to stay above 70 us dollars and half a percent down for brent so the fed has decided to talk about it here's nabs david garris from london so they are going to do the turbo taper no surprise there dave uh what was the surprise was uh was the number of dot points for next year three not two yes yes so i mean the three go-to places in the statement for me, Phil, when the statement and the forecast are released like this, you know, every second meeting is obviously the statement. And as you said, um, the taper has been doubled, which will mean that QE will end by March and that will clear the decks for the Fed uh, to not have to be in the invidious position of doing uh, QE and raising rates at the same time, which would be silly. One, one's adding more accommodation, one's taking it away, yeah, obviously. But it's, the, but it's the speed, isn't it? So three yes. in 2022, maybe three more in 2023, maybe three the year after that. I mean, They have increased. So there's two things here. One is the speed, and I guess that reflects in part um, a refresh of what the policy track might look like in regards to their inflation forecast, which they've added what, 0.4 to 2022 and another 0.1 to 2023. So, uh, and and uh, what we might call the terminal rate, where they will get to in 2024. So that, that suggests, doesn't it, that they need to tighten more quickly and to, you know, a somewhat higher rate. Um, so that's playing, I think, the market went into this, meeting thinking that there would be a hawkish tilt uh, and that's exactly what's sort of been served up pretty much by um, by the dot points for the the fed you know different fed fund forecasts as well as the uh, the inflation forecast which is i think the nub of it um, i would say phil there is one word missing from the actual formal statement and that's the word omicron 
I thought yeah. that might have been mentioned in that statement, oh, but I haven't found it. Have you seen it? Uh, there, there was a bit about uh, variants. I don't know as they named Omicron, but, you know, it was it was, it was there as a, as a risk. But if you've yes. got, uh, you know, and we'll, maybe we'll get more about it at the, uh, oh, indeed, at the press indeed. conference, which unfortunately is after we've got to get the podcast out. So, uh, so we can't talk about the press conference because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, we couldn't hold off for it. But if the, I mean, they, they talked about, you know, the supply demand imbalances that are, that are creating this inflation. But if yes. you... If you try and fix a, a supply-demand imbalance, then if supply isn't there, the only thing you can do is bring demand down, which means slowing the economy. And, um, you know, is that a, a smart idea? We're seeing yield curves flattening. I'm just wondering whether that's a sign that, that, that others are, are concerned that this might be too much as well. Well, I think, it's first of all, it's a sign, uh, and we are, it's a, first of all a sign that the Fed's going to be more active on the rate front, and we're still, we're still to see that, right? We don't, we don't know what's going to happen yet. In fact, you know, that's all out there in the ether, but it's, it, we know what the, the guidance is suggesting from the Fed. So that's why you're getting yield curves flattening that they'll get control of inflation, and that's why you're seeing things like the break-even inflation rates rally as well. So they're, they're, they're coming down. So you know that that's that's policy working. I think is is the interpretation of that because we've seen in the two year yield go up, uh, the longer term yields you know um, flatten out, and uh, and the dollar go up. There's initial response anyway to mm, the statement. Yeah. And equities up as well. I mean, you would have thought actually this would be bad news for equity markets, but we're seeing that you know the S and P, uh, particularly the Nasdaq, has risen quite sharply. Indeed, indeed. Well, it's um, an hour or two can be a long time in this market, so let's uh, reserve our judgment for that. Yeah, it could be a completely different kettle of fish couldn't it, after the uh, after the press conference. Look, a uh, a couple more central banks before midnight tonight, Aussie time. First of all, uh, the Bank of England, and I think expectations of a rise have increased a bit, haven't they, as the week's gone on? But two numbers for them considered to, uh, consider today. Number one, inflation in the UK up 5.1%, way more than anticipated. It's the highest for more than a decade. So you'd think that with strong uh, job markets as well, that a rate rise would be a slam dunk. But the second factor, 78,610 COVID cases on Wednesday, the highest number ever by quite a margin. The seven-day average has risen almost 20%. Patients admitted to hospital is up over 10%. So when you look at that, I mean, it could go either way, but, you know, I, mm. I'd, be, I'd be thinking it would be a surprise if they did lift rates, even though the market seems to be warming to the idea. You would think so, Phil. I think uh, just after the inflation numbers, the market did sweeten up the prices a little bit more on uh, the Bank of England for tonight um, by a couple of basis points. It's still less than 50%, well less than 50%, but... Mm. Inflation is inflation, right? So, um, yeah. And even though the, the hawks on the committee have been, you know, a little bit more temperate in recent in the recent week or two, you know, since we've heard all the Omicron news and and uh, energy prices, and incidentally, energy is another one in the mix. So, yeah, uh, US, UK gas futures are up again today. They're up forty percent so far this month. And guess how much they rose last month? Forty percent as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, energy is like six percent of the UK uh, household budget, so, according to the so, CPI. So, so it's, it's a big factor. Yeah, and and so these are sort of like non-elastic prices here. There's not a lot people can do about it. They've got to consume this energy. So I wonder whether, you know, is the is a rate rise actually going to do much for that? But look, we had uh, nothing. This, I would have thought well, nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, why go down that road? David Miles, who's a former rate center rate setter for the Bank of England, was saying today he was quoted mm. on Bloomberg. 
uh, talking to the UK Treasury Select Committee, saying uh, if inflation doesn't pull back, rates could rise much faster than everyone's expecting. Maybe getting to 3.5%, he said. So uh, I think we've got, we've got to be grateful he's not a rate well, setter these days, have, haven't we? <laughs> we just have to remember that some of the, as you say, um, uh, demand for energy, particularly in the winter, tends to be quite inelastic. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be governed by household budgets to some extent, you know, on a case-by-case basis. Mm. Um, and and you can you can reduce reduce the net demand for it, but you really have to slow the economy up a lot, and you'd have to have some impact on unemployment and the like to do that. Yeah. So all the more reason to be, wait and that see. That would take a very, very courageous a central bank to do that. Yeah. I would have thought. Uh, particularly when uh, they've got tax increases coming next year as well. So hot on the heels Indeed. of the Bank of England, less than an hour later than that, the ECB, uh, mm. they they're not going to be going for the turbo taper, are they? They're going to be. Uh, I mean, they might talk about speeding things up a little bit in terms of the pandemic. Well, emergency they'll be stopping the. They have a. Diff- they don't. They don't announce how much they're buying each. Uh, month and quarter, other than those qualitative statements about, you know, remember, you might remember, we'll be uh, doing less purchasing or more, more purchasing of bonds, but they have this total envelope. What is it? The 1.85 trillion for yep. the PE double P, the pandemic emergency uh, QE. Um, and that was, that's due to expire in March. And I think that's the decision they will make at this meeting. Uh, beyond that, uh, I don't think they'll be deciding too much right. more until they get to March. So yeah. the market will be just interested in what their forecasts are for growth and inflation and unemployment and all those things. So I think we're going to hear, hear a fairly dovish uh, narrative, a careful narrative from well, um, uh, Madam Lagarde well, at the press conference. And of it course, is a question, isn't it, from the ECB lately? Are they going to be dovish or are they going to be very dovish? So uh, <laughs> I think so. I think that's probably the way. It's not a bad uh, description. Now, we also get you know, a load of numbers today because we get PMI numbers for Europe as well, the market PMIs, mm. uh, and for and broken down for Germany as well. So see how German manufacturing is mm. going, for example. Mm. Uh, and separate numbers for the UK as well and the US. Heap of data out there today. Indeed, indeed. And, and they're all very up-to-date mm. indicators, right? So um, in recent weeks, one just one little thing to keep in mind is that you might recall the French numbers have held up a bit better than and then Germany and, and some other economies. I think one factor there is energy, right? They're, they're much more dependent upon nuclear. When you see, you don't see these massive yeah. price surges like in um, in ga- European gas prices right now. So it's interesting to see how that plays out in there. Yeah, manufacturing point. and service numbers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and look, talking about energy, so oil down today, even though there was a, a big drop overnight in the inventories in the United States, more than mm. 4.5 million barrels less last week. So I think there's mm. a bit of demand. I think there was also a bit of some supply constraints as well, which is uh, which is added to that. Uh, but normally, you know, you'd see uh, you'd see that fall in inventories. You'd be thinking, why aren't prices rising? But I guess it's like Indeed. anything. It's, it's COVID concerns there as well, isn't I it, probably? So. I think so, too. You know, one indicator I look at is um, uh, stock prices of airline companies. You know, it's very sensitive, of course, to any news on uh, restrictions and travel and so forth. So the, the Bloomberg World Airline Index is down nearly 1.2% today. So, mm. um, you know, that, that, that I think that's reflecting that news. And, of course, the big swing factor in the energy demand equation has been uh, jet fuel demand and t- uh, tied exactly to the same factors there. We're not hearing too much about travel restrictions being imposed, except in Canada. 
So, of course, you know, we had uh, the uh, the inflation numbers for Canada as well, which were, you know, mm. more, more or less were expected. They expected, I think, core inflation at 3.6% for November, which is exactly where it was in October. Uh, but the can- Canadian dollar's down a fair bit. And I think maybe that is, I mean, that could be because of oil as well. But also, uh, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, met with his premiers to discuss the possibility of stricter travel restrictions mm. ahead of Christmas. No announcement on that yet, but the, the press reports are they've met and they are expecting them to say something. Well, I think I think the most important factor that the markets are really interested in, Phil, is uh, the efficacy of the vaccines against uh, Omicron in terms of serious illness and risk of hospital admission. Uh, That's really the missing link. Now, we know it's more transmissible and the moment governments are reacting to that. But really, markets, I think, have tended towards the glass half full, certainly probably not today, but... um, that's been their view today that vaccines will work out at the end of the day, but we need you need the scientific evidence to, to you know to confirm or or otherwise uh, it, that that point of view. But even before uh, we were in the presence of Omicron, we were seeing things slowing down, weren't they? So uh, so U.S. retail sales, for example, dipped in November. Yes. Yes. I guess that that's what that, that's what happens when prices go up. <laughs> I mean, they did have a strong October, so <laughs> uh, strong October. So people, presumably, they knew inflation was coming, so maybe they bought uh, purchases forward a bit. Yes, it's probably a bit of that. You, you remember we were just as surprised last month when you know they had that cracking result for retailing in October, and the, they've had three pretty good, res, three positive to pretty positive results. Mm. So. In that context, you know, you could say that November is just a bit of a breather or just a bit of a statistical pullback, but maybe the same sorts of factors weighing on spending, you know, that seem to be weighing on spending on this side of the Atlantic are also having their effect over there. So yeah. energy obviously hasn't been as big a factor, certainly as far as gas prices are concerned, but um, nevertheless, uh, it hasn't all been... Uh, um, beer and Skittles, and, and the um, the last payrolls report did show that hospitality-related employment and retail employment did pull back in November. So sort of ties in a little bit, you know, with the, the monthly retail sales numbers. Yeah, and, of course, supply as well. You know, there'll be stuff for you. Indeed, big, big, indeed. Big items that people want to buy and they just right. can't get it. Can't get a car, uh, so you have to wait. So that's going to impact it as well. So And China as well, not bouncing back in a hurry. We had retail sales yesterday, 3.9% for November year on year, which was well below expectations. Fixed asset investment was at 5.2% mm. year on year, which again was less than expected. Industrial production was pretty much on track, 3.8% growth. But that's still pretty slow, isn't it? So, uh, mm. uh, but I guess the one thing we do know is when, I think when it was telling us, giving us the story that things have slowed in China. We know that, yeah. But the question is, how hard is the authorities going to go on re-stimulating the? Well, that was going to be my labor. point. I mean, we know when things yeah. go slow down, the government steps in and does something, doesn't it? Indeed, indeed. It's it's, it's wonderful what money will solve for a period of time. So, and and then what is it was the day before they were talking about. Their objective for the next year is reasonable growth and, you know, economic stability. So mm. I think we have to take those sorts of things seriously. So for uh, for podcast listeners, you know, I, I just look at things like uh, iron ore price, for example. In the past few days, that has ticked up. So 
maybe that reflects a less negative view than what we've seen in the likes of the Chinese growth numbers Philip overnight. Lowe, Philip Lowe's talking today and uh, we get Australia's employment numbers as well. What are we going to get? 200,000 new jobs, maybe 300,000, whatever. I mean, we've got less lockdown, so it's going to be strong, isn't it? So uh, yes. you would expect the unemployment rate is going to fall as well as part and parcel of all of that. Indeed. And I think that the, I don't think the uh, the volumes and the employment changes is, is in doubt and the story is in doubt that it's how quickly that might get translated into uh, to wage rates. And that's what the Reserve Bank's yeah. looking at. Yeah, absolutely. So look, yeah, we've talked about PMIs. We've got two more central banks to go today. We've got Aussie uh, employment numbers. There's also the weekly jobless claims in the US tonight and building permits and the Philly Fed business outlook. Goodness. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Uh, so, there is indeed. <laughs> well, uh, we'll go and see what uh, uh, what the Fed's got to say in the in the press conference. We'll leave it there for now. Great we will, talk. F- Catch Phil, you soon. not absolutely super soon, but in the not too distant future with the New Year. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're not talking to you next week. Yeah, so we'll talk to you in the new year. All right. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. And I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.